This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here uh, for our study on Romans. We're going deeper into God's Word and wanted to... uh, Wanted to dive deeper into the sermon. We're on a sermon series called Who Told You That? And so I'm going to introduce Romans a little bit, and then we're going to get, uh, get, get into it even deeper. So let, let me just pray. Lord God, thank you for this time to study your word together. We're just going to walk through your word. And so I pray, Lord God, that you would help us understand your word at a deeper level, that we would uh, grow in our faith, <clears throat> and that we would uh, start out uh, our day or when we're watching this, that, that we leave this study stronger Christians than when we started. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So uh, just to, to remind you, we're going through this sermon series called Who Told You That? And the whole point of this sermon series is to, to, to just challenge maybe some of the assumptions that we have. I, I don't think we recognize, and I don't think I always recognize, how many... Um, how many things I'm being discipled by as I turn on my phone, as I check uh, social media, as I watch the news, as I listen to a friend, as I take a class, all these different things, and especially the phone, because that's uh, the ever-present thing in front of us, is, is influencing us. And we don't always ask the question, like, who told you that? Why, why, why do you believe that? And, and so we wanted to, to challenge some of those things. And one of the ideas that you might have taken on is that all religions are basically the same. You know, uh, th- th- we're all basically in the same place. We all basically believe in the same God. We just have different rituals or, or, or little tiny things. But, but Paul, as we go into the letter of Romans, he's going to show us what's distinctive about Christianity, what makes Christianity different than every other world religion. And, um, and, and that's it's a great, so we're, for this sermon series, we're going through the letter to the Romans, and I think the letter to the Romans is a good letter to, to answer those questions, because uh, as we're going to see, Paul didn't know the Romans in the, in, in the sense that he knew the other churches and people he wrote to. So when he wrote the letter to the Galatians, or the Philippians, or the Thess- Thessalonians, or the Colossians, when he wrote letters to Timothy and Titus, he knew all the, and Philemon, he knew these people. He knew these churches because he started these churches. He was mentoring Timothy. He was mentoring Titus. He, he had a relationship with Philemon. When he was writing to the, the Romans, he didn't have a relationship with them. He wanted to go get to know them and he wanted to serve them, but he didn't have a distinct relationship with them. So, um, so that makes it a little bit different. And he's anticipating their questions. He's done so much missionary work. He knows the basic problems between Jews and Gentiles, between um, God's people and the world. And, and so he's already anticipating some of, the, some of the objections that people have to Christianity, some of the hangups maybe a Jewish audience would have, some of the conflict that would be between the two cultures. And so as he's writing, he's, he's He's already uh, anticipating some of those problems. So let's dive into the letter, and I'm especially going to get to uh, chapter three today. Um, but before I get in here, I want to there there is a there's a Greek word that there's two words that Paul uses um, that that are brought up over and over again, and they have a different shades of meaning. Um, 
diaikosune or diaikos um, means righteous or righteousness or the, the root of it can be used in lots of different forms. Righteous or righteousness or, or justification. And so one of the big themes in Paul is how do you get right with God? How do you become justified? How is God just and right? How does God do the right thing? How do we become right? And so over and over again, when you see these different ideas, you need to realize that it's the same root word, righteousness, right, justice, justified, justification. They all are the same root Greek word, uh, diaikos or diaikosune. And then the other word that has lots of shades of meaning that really is the same word in Greek is namas. Namas can mean a law, a principle, um, or... Um, uh, the, the Old Testament Torah teaching, so it can mean teaching. And so sometimes you just have to understand that there are different shades of meaning. And sometimes some biblical translators will, will translate uh, it differently depending on the context. But sometimes when Paul says law, he's talking about the Old Testament teaching, the Old Testament Torah, the first five books of Moses. Sometimes he's saying law, he means like a principle, like, um, you know, this is just how it is. And sometimes when he means law, he means like a set of rules that you should keep or not keep. And, and so just need to know that before you, you see these words come up, know that the same Greek word and the translators had to decide uh, what, they, what they decided. So uh, as I mentioned last week when we did this, you know, this is Paul's letter. Paul used to hate Christians and he thought Christian was a problem and then he became a Christian. And now he's writing to Rome. And, uh, and he hasn't been there. And so I just wanted to, he, he says uh, in Romans chapter one, verse 13, I plan many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now. So Paul wants to get to Rome. He wants to start uh, churches there. And actually he says towards the end of the letter too, he says, you know, I, I want to get to Spain. So he wants to use Rome as a, as a launch pad into Spain. And why? Um, because He's obligated to, to, to the Greeks and non-Greeks. He wants to preach to the world. Uh, and, and because, and this is the big verse I focused on on Sunday, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is what makes Christianity unique from, to other, other worldviews or, or any kind of religion is, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, good news, that at the heart of Christianity is good news, it, it, and, and that good news has the power, it's the power of God, you're believing this good news, to save everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And on Sunday, he says this a couple times in, in Romans, he says this gospel is first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Um, obviously, God has no favorites, and, he, and Paul makes that point clear. But for whatever reason, God chose the Jews to work through them. And so I think he's just bringing out this idea that this is a story, that this is a story. And God uh, met with Abraham, the first Hebrew, made promises to Abraham and to God's people, and then worked salvation to all people, for the Gentiles, through them. Okay? If you have any questions on that, please feel free to put your questions in the chat, and I'll be happy to, to talk about it a little bit more. But this is his big idea. The righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. Um, 
again, that's that diakosune word, the righteousness. Um, and sometimes it's the righteousness of God. Sometimes it's just how to get right. But this is what he says. He's actually quoting Habakkuk here. He's, Paul is saying, um, you get right not by works. You get right with God. You become the right kind of person. You, you get declared innocent before God by faith. And so Paul is quoting Old Testament prophecies uh, to validate his whole big premise of, of, this, of, this, um, of his book, his letter. Okay, now Paul sets something up. And this is where I really focused on last week. So I'm not going to really go into it anymore. But the wrath of God in, in Romans chapter 1, he begins by just laying out that the world, that, that, that the world is unbelieving and has, although they should know God, they fought against God. And, and after reading this, you should have this kind of feeling like, yeah, God, they're really bad people out there. And sometimes we talk about that too. Yeah, my neighbor's really bad. Yeah, those people on the other side of the earth are bad. Those people in that country are bad. They're, those people on TV are bad. And that's kind of what Paul is doing here. He's setting up, yeah, like the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of the people. They suppress the truth. They should know better. They've exchanged the glory of God for the immortal, or of the, of the immortal God and started worshiping creation, like animals and and, and worshiping creation over the creator. And then they are given into sexual sin. And, and you're supposed to kind of be cheering along. Yeah, get them, God. Those are bad people. If we just wipe out the bad people, then everything would be okay with us. And then in chapter two, he, he kind of pulls the rug underneath us. He says, but you, therefore, you have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge others, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment, you do the same things. And that was my big point, I think, in the, the sermon. I wanted to just bring out that idea, what Paul is bringing out in this letter is, we can't even live up under our own standards. We can't live up under these, <clears throat> these standards we, we, we make. When we judge other people, if every judgment we would make about other people would be thrown back on us, we would not be able to stand. And so Paul goes into that, especially he's talking to the, the Jewish audience about their stubbornness, their unrepentant heart, um, and, and how we're, we're no better. People in, so, if, so the comparison, I think, would be there is this tendency that when you're outside of the church, you think, I couldn't go into the church because... The church would fall down on me. I'm too sinful to even enter into the church. And then some people enter into the church. They hear this message of radical grace, and they think, oh, my goodness, God, thank you. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm accepted. And then over time, maybe over time personally or generationally, over time, you start to think that, that somehow you deserve this. Somehow, somehow you're better than other people. Um, and so that's, that's the reality is that, and, and so Paul's talking about that, those people inside the church, the, the Jewish people, they now look down on everybody else. They've forgotten that they were saved by grace too. And so Paul really lays into that in, in Romans 2, 17 through the end. He says, 
Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God, if you know what is, if you know his will, you have the, the Old Testament, you have the books of Moses, and you approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, and if you're convinced that you are a guide for the blind and a light for those in the dark and an instructor of the foolish and a teacher of children because you have the law, the embodiment of the knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say the people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. So again, he's just hammering this point home. Whether you're inside the church, outside the church, Jewish, Gentile, Lutheran, Baptist, Episcopalian, um, atheist, whatever you are, um, nobody can rely on their own performance before God and look down on somebody else. And so that's, that's chapter two. And then Romans three, he kind of, he, he continues on this thought process where he's just saying, all right, well, is there any advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in circumcision? Well, much in every way. Uh, you've been given the very words of God. So it's not saying that, that God's word is bad or the law is bad. This is good. We should know God's word. Um, it's an advantage to be inside the church. It just isn't, it doesn't make you better than somebody else just by your heredity, your, 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 your upbringing or your, your, you know, your nation, your race. Um, I heard it this way. God has children. He doesn't have any grandchildren since that every one of us needs to become a Christian ourselves. We don't get into God's family because our parents were Christians. God has children, no grandchildren, okay? And so Paul continues on this thought, and then he says, all right, what should we include then? Do we have any advantage at all? Not at all, in the sense of we don't have any advantage if you're inside of the church or you're Jewish, you're raised in a, in a believing home. Um, you're not any better. That's what he means. You have an advantage in the fact that you know God's word, but you're not any better by your performance. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. And then Paul quotes a bunch of Old Testament things, uh, lines. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. No one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. On and on, just laying down, really laying down the law, cutting our feet from underneath us, recognizing that there's nothing in our performance that we can stand on before God and say, that makes me better than my neighbor. That makes me better than somebody else. And he explains why. He says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says those are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. And this was my big point in the sermon. When we really look at God's law, it shuts our mouth. When we really look at, at God's law, it shuts up our mouth. Um, and, and we could use that today. I know I could, where um, instead of spending so much time blaming the other side, whatever the other side is, the other side of this coronavirus issue, whatever your side is, blaming the other side, the other side politically, the other side economically, the other side racially, the other side 
you know, in your neighborhood, whatever it is that you look down on somebody else, when you actually look at God's law, it shuts our mouth. We have nothing to say against the other side. We're held accountable to God. So no one's going to be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. We become self-aware. Now, maybe just a quick point here. In, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus does tell us to judge people in, in love. We want to help people. But he says, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can get the speck of sawdust out of somebody else's eye. And that's kind of what, what, what Paul is saying here. Don't, don't get judgmental, like judging people like you're on a higher platform than them. First, be self-aware. Be conscious of your own sin before you make any judgments about anyone else. So this whole Romans 1 and 2 and the beginning of 3 is bad news. But now Paul says, but now, here's the good news. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God, and, and this is the justice of God, the, the justification of God, it's all that same root word. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Now, as I be, told you in the beginning, the word law can have different meanings. Here it's, so the first time he uses the word law, law here means the teaching. Uh, it means kind of any kind of law, any kind of, so it, it doesn't mean teaching. Here it means any kind of law, any kind of um any constitutional, any kind of law that's on the books, anything that you're put underneath that you're supposed to fulfill. Apart from any of those laws, God's righteousness has been made known to which the law and the prophets talk about. Um, here he's using the word law as the word Torah, which was the Old Testament first five books of Moses. They would call what we call the Old Testament, they would call the law and the prophets. That's how they would designate the two sections of the Old Testament. Okay, so apart from the law, you can get right, right with God, and the whole Old Testament talks about it. And that's really important to understand, because sometimes people think Old Testament is laws, and they were saved by fulfilling the law, and the New Testament is gospel. Old Testament, bad news, New Testament, good news. But Paul is saying, no, even in the Old Testament, we heard about getting right with God apart from the law. And I think it's really important that we understand the purpose of the covenantal law in the Old Testament. When God took Israel out of Egyptian slavery and they went up to Mount Sinai and Moses got the, the laws from God, that was a contract, a temporary contract that God was making with the Israelites. He wanted to come into a contract with them, a covenant with them, to use them for a specific purpose. And so, so many of their laws were teaching tools, teaching them about the Messiah that was coming, teaching about how they were supposed to be different from the world, teaching them who God was. And it was a temporary, um, a temporary agreement where they were supposed to keep up their side and, and, and God would keep up his side to bless them and, and give them the promised land and bring the Savior into the world through them. Um, but nobody was going to get right. Uh, by by following the ceremonial sacrificial laws. No one's going to get right with God. Here's how you get right with God. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. On Sunday, I made this point, and I want to just make it again. The Christian faith is about Jesus. 
That's what makes it unique. Every other religion is about principles, about steps, about practices. And sure, you can look in Christianity and there are, there are, there are good advice about praying and, and giving and how to live out your new life. But it's ultimately a story about God rescuing the world through Jesus Christ. The spotlight is on Jesus. The spotlight is on Jesus coming in and rescuing the world. So every other religion out there is about practices. Christianity is about a story. It's a story about Jesus. And, and so you can take out the main, I said on Sunday, you can take out the main characters in each uh, religion and still keep the religion intact. So you can take out Muhammad and still have Islam because ultimately Islam is about following the seven pillars of Islam, about fasting and praying and about uh, making a pilgrimage to, to Mecca. You can do that without the main character there. You can still do the practices of uh, Buddhism is about following meditative practices and, and extinguishing all desire. You can extinguish all desire without ever thinking about a guy named Buddha. But you can't practice and follow and, 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 and be a Christian without Christ. He's at the center of our faith. His, it, it's about his performance, not ours. About what he did, not what we did. Um, and so it's ultimately about him. And that's good news because there is no difference between doing Jew, and, Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified. Again, here's that word, diaikos, diaikosune. It's all the same word, um, justified, righteous, um, right. They're all the same Greek word, same root. And, and so we're all, we're made right freely by his grace. That means gift, the redemption. Now the word redemption actually is the word that means to buy somebody out of slavery. Um, slavery was just, there were supposedly in Jesus' day and Paul's day, there were more slaves in Rome than free people. Everybody was a slave. It just, it was, and it was basically, um, lots of times it was either you became a slave because Rome conquered a land and they, they took on the people of that land, or if it was debt slavery where you were, you were in, enslaved. So if you would, you would count everybody who's in debt in our world, that, that would kind of probably would have the same kind of numbers. But um, Paul says, you're made right by redemption, by getting paid or bought free, you bought your freedom by Jesus Christ. Well, what do you do to buy your freedom? A sacrifice of atonement. Uh, this is kind of a made up word, atonement, at one mint. We become at one. See that? At one with God. It means um, really that in the Old Testament, this is how you would. Um, you'd cover over somebody's sin. Uh, the, the, the blood of a lamb would cover over you and you become at one, you'd be reconciled with God, okay? Through the shedding of his blood, that's how God bought our freedom. We became one with God, received by faith. You, you get this by receiving it, by taking hold of it, not by performing it, okay? And why did God do this? I did, now, here's a section I didn't get to, to speak about in our in our sermon, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Again, brings out this word, um, diakosune. Um, how, how, did God, how does God justify himself? How does God become right? Um, God 
saved us this way to demonstrate how he was right. Because in his forbearance, he had let the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be right or just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is such a deep and dense uh, idea, but let me just quickly talk about it. So God did it. God did what he did to demonstrate that he was just and to justify us, that he was that 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 he had to punish sin and he wanted to be loving at the same time. That he could he could forgive people their sins and still be just. And the only way to do that is somebody had to pay for it. At the cross, God becomes both just and the one who justifies. At the cross, he's right and he gives out his righteousness to us. And then when we realize this, there's no more boasting. There's no looking down on anybody. There's only worship. Now, we, we don't nullify the law with this faith. No, we uphold it. Now, we want to follow Jesus. Now, we want to live a good life, but a good life in humility. All right, I went kind of long there today. There's so much good stuff in Romans. I hope just going over it again, reviewing it again, uh, gives you some more insight. Um, so, so thank you so much. Make sure if you have any questions, put them in the chat room. Um, leave here knowing that you're right with God, that you have nothing more to prove. Leave here knowing that, that, that God loves you and accepts you. Leave here not looking down on anybody, realizing that you're at the same status with the people around you. Leave here uh, filled with, with, with freedom and joy that God doesn't judge you based on your performance. You've been given the gift in Jesus Christ. Leave here a forgiven, loved child of God made absolutely right in Jesus Christ. All right, have a great day. God bless you. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.